Good to see you today. So when we talk to children, a question that we often, uh, you know, when adults can't think of anything else to ask, we'll say, what do you want to do when you grow up? And typically that becomes uh, something of a a vocational choice. Um, Our older daughter knew from an early age she wanted to do something in medicine. I have a granddaughter who, based on her experience in life at nine, knows that she wants to be a professional soccer player when she grows up. But it has to do with what they know. And so as, uh, as we age a little bit, the question begins to evolve. And somewhere in uh, young adulthood, uh, or later, the question becomes, not do you want to do, but what do you want to do with your life? And the, the answers that focus around jobs and salaries and benefits begin to um, share time begin to share time with that sense that there is something that we were meant to do. That there is a purpose, that there is a calling, that there is something that's supposed to give meaning to the other things that we do in life. And some people begin to have this conversation in their minds and prayers in their 20s and the further it goes by the time you get to your 50s and 60s if you've not had it instead of being a hopeful a hopeful prayer it becomes one I think laced with some regret some regret you mean I've got to this place and I still don't know if I've left a real mark. I don't know if my life has had purpose. I don't know who I've touched. I don't know what it is I was supposed to do. Now, if we're believers, we we have a sense that God through Jesus Christ is, is directing some of this internal conversation. It's not just simply... What am I supposed to do with my life? But it's what am I supposed to do with my life for the kingdom? What is it that will make me useful to God? I I believe, and this is after a long time of being a pastor and listening to people talk, I, I believe that most people that would be in this church and church I pastored for a long time, Most people want to do something for God. We just really don't know what it is and we're afraid of half the things that people offer to us for fear that it's going to become some kind of lifelong commitment that we'll never be able to get out of and we'll hate. And I don't find it that way at all. Several years ago, we did a leadership retreat and one of the questions that we asked at the retreat was, What moment in your life stands out as a time when God became absolutely real 
to you. And the stories typically fell in one of two directions. They were about half and half. About half the people told of incidents where there had been some major crisis, uh, an illness, the death of someone that they loved, uh, you know, personal financial upheaval, but some crisis where the presence of God came to them in a way that they had never experienced it before. And they said, and that is when God became real. But kind of, uh, I wasn't expecting it, it wasn't what I was looking for. About half the people spoke of times when they felt that they were recruited. They were recruited for something that mattered. And they would tell the story about how somebody came to them and said, you know, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. I need you to, you know, I need you to work with youth. Now, a lot of us, you know, we'd think, oh, I don't know. Why are you asking me? I don't have that gift. But people who even sometimes did it reluctantly found that it was what gave their life purpose. And through it, God touched them in a way that they had not been touched before. I I came across an expression in a book not long after this in which the author described this sense of being called to do something for God was what he called an epiphany of recruitment. And that, uh, you know, I, I read that in the bulletin this morning after I asked them to put it in there, and I thought, wow, I hope they stay for church because I'm not sure that really sounds all that enticing. But uh, an epiphany is one of those moments where something we had known before becomes real. I had an epiphany. Something just really dawned on me like it had never dawned before. We have these in a variety of different things, but there are moments in which the sense of God leading us to do something comes to us in a way that is beyond the preacher making an appeal in a sermon. It comes to us and we realize that there is a God and God really wants me, me, to try this. And in that moment, there is a step, there's a shift, there's a move. And what had been elusive, an elusive goal, what is it that I'm supposed to do with my life, suddenly begins to They form a path that we can see our way forward and see what it is God is asking. Now, there are a lot of people in Scripture who get recruited. Uh, Moses is, is called by God at the burning bush to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Uh, Peter is called to be a disciple. But the model that I want to use this morning to talk about this is the model of Isaiah from the the passage of Scripture, which we heard just a few moments ago. Isaiah was a prophet. He was a rare prophet who also happened to be a priest, so he was serving in the temple. And if, if he becomes the model, 
First, there is this new vision of God. No telling how many times he'd been in the temple and performed all those duties he did. But on this particular occasion, God appears in a new and powerful way. And the immediate reaction, which I think is the reaction of most people when they sense God is asking them to do something, is a sense of unworthiness. Woe is me, because I'm a, I'm a person of unclean lips. Woe is me, I could never do anything. And the third part of this template, this model, is that God through the action with this coal, shows that your sins are forgiven, God equips. And this is what I find people, how they experience a sense of of a call to do something in the kingdom. First, they've got this vision of God that they think scares me to death, but I think God's asking me to do this. The second thing is, not me, I couldn't do that. There's no way. And the third thing is, God equips the person to do it. God does not call the able. God calls the willing. And God equips those people to do what they've been called to do. Now, gosh, this sounds so much like just a standard preacher sermon. I'm really sorry about that. Um, You may wonder why today. Well, the further I move in my relationship with you, the more likely that means that it's getting shorter. You know, I've been here eight months now. So I think it becomes much more likely that I have less time left than I had, than I've been here. And that means somewhere on the horizon is the next permanent pastor. And if you've not noticed, I've been trying to preach over the last several weeks about things that I think are important in the life of this congregation for when, whenever, a new pastor comes. And a new pastor will mean new vision. A new new pastor will mean a new way of seeing things, a new way of doing ministry, which will require people to come along and go with him. And so there are going to be times where you hear something in a sermon about something that that the church needs to do, and that is going to be a subtle call for volunteers, participants, for people who will get engaged and do it too. Because even if you were to call the Apostle Paul or Peter or any some great biblical figure to be your next pastor, that person will need people who will engage with the mission. And what I want you to do on the day when you hear this is not to think, well, I sure hope one of them does this, but to think, could God use me? And not only could God use me, but is this that place that I have secretly longed for? 
This place that secretly I had hoped would give my life purpose and meaning and would allow me to leave an imprint on something and maybe change a life or two or three. I want you just to consider that what sounds like a presentation of a new ministry could be a call to you. A call to you to do something that matters. Now, we tend to see this strictly as a job. Oh my gosh, it's a job. Yeah, I mean, that's about like saying tithe. You know, you try to recruit people to come serve in something, they think, I'd rather tithe. I'd rather pay to get somebody else to do it. Frederick Beekner says that when our gladness meets the world's needs is when we know that we are doing God's will. If we are truly doing something that is what we're supposed to do with our lives, then it is not drudgery. It is life itself. Now, the meditation this morning, I I hope you read these sometimes. Emmett Fox is a strange person. He is something akin to a Christian scientist. He passed away in the 1950s. But he says some things that I find to be absolutely true. And you don't have to read this now, you can. But he talks in this passage about being called to do something that we would never want to admit to somebody else for fear that they wouldn't understand, for fear that it would be too great for us, for fear that people might even laugh at us if we said, this is what I believe God is calling me to do. And he says, you'd rather die than have someone know you thought God might be asking you to do this. But he says, it's a seed planted. It's the germ that is starting. It's that thing that is going to just keep burning in your heart until you acknowledge it and recognize it is God saying, I have need of you. I promise you, the day you acknowledge that will not be a day of drudgery, but it will be when you find that you stand in the midst of a great lineage of people who have said, Here am I, send me. And you found the relationship with Jesus Christ that you always wanted. Shall we pray together?